Good morning, all, and welcome to this morning's encounter with the Lord. This is Russell, your host. How are we all this morning? Good morning, Russell. Good morning, everyone. Let me say good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for another day, a new day that you add to our life. The morning that we ever so take for granted. That when we sleep at night, we make plans for the next day, not even knowing whether we will wake up or not. And you remind us of the parable of the rich man who broke down his barns and wanted to build bigger ones so that he could store more of his harvesting. And you said to him, you fool, tonight I am coming to take your life. What would he then do with those barns? Yet we make plans not knowing or not realizing and not even heading in the right direction of should the Lord come and take us today have I prepared myself for it? Have I prepared myself to meet my maker? Have I put my life in order? All we think about is what will I do tomorrow? How will I enjoy myself tomorrow? What other ambition will I fulfill? We thank you, Lord, that you are merciful, that you do not factor all of those. You continue to renew your mercy for us every morning. And you continue to give us another opportunity to reconsider, for our eyes to be open to the truth. You provide grace wherewith we might see that truth and then you give us still on top of that a free will to make a choice. And we can still end up choosing evil. but you are ever willing to forgive. We thank you that you have loved us with that kind of an everlasting love that doesn't depend on our behavior, that doesn't depend on the choices we make, that doesn't depend or look to the mistakes that we make in order to punish, ever willing to be angry and punish. But you are ever willing to renew it, ever willing to restore. So much do you love us. We thank you, Lord, for that unconditional, unwavering, unshakable love. It is just who you are. It is not about us. It is about you. And you made us in your own likeness and image. So we ought to have that kind of love as well. And come back to you with all our heart. And that is what you call us to do during this season of Lent, to renew that you might restore, to rebuild that which we have broken, our relationship with you, our altars of prayer, and our communication channels. And that is what we are reflecting on in this series. If I were to sum it up in one sentence, restoration. We thank you, Father for the peace and joy that you pour into our hearts every time we commune with you in the secret place where we join our spirit to be one with yours. You are ever willing to pour your light, your wisdom, your revelation. To open our eyes to the truth because when we know the truth, and that can only happen by your spirit, that is when we are set free from every limitation, from every darkness in our life, from every chaos, confusion, failure, 
to be brought into abundance, to be brought into victory, where we can then say, as scripture says, I have overcome the snares of the world and I stand in victory by my faith. We thank you for that peace and joy that you pour into our hearts, Lord, in the secret place. And we share it with all those that are part of this prayer meeting and praying family. We share it with Christians everywhere that do not yet know you, with all those that do not want to know you. We share it also, Lord, with all those that we are lifting up at our altar of prayer and those that have no one to pray for them. And as we offer our faith to stand in that gap, Lord, we call on your name, the name of our maker, our father, the great I am, the ancient of days, in whom is all wisdom, the God of peace who shall bruise Satan under our feet. You are the God of hope, as Romans 15 says. You are the God of peace. You are the God of patience. You are the God who is a consuming fire, seeking to refine, to purify, to sanctify, to reinstate as your king and your priest here on earth. We thank you, Lord, that you see each of us that way. And we pray in the name of your son, Jesus, the one who came to introduce us to the Father. It is he who for the first time taught us to call God our Father. He is the author and the finisher of our faith and our destiny. He is the one who has enriched us in all utterance and knowledge. The word himself given to us as our daily manner to feed our spirits. Coming straight down from heaven. He is the Lord who heals. And he is the way, the truth, and in him is life. We pray in the name of his spirit. The spirit of the living God, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of truth, the spirit of victory, the spirit of freedom. The same spirit that created the earth, the universe, and gave it its shape and form out of all its confusion, out of all its chaos, out of all its darkness. It is he who raised Jesus from the dead. It is he who powered his ministry to signs and wonders. And Jesus said, the things that you see me doing, you shall do the same and even more. Because he was coming to us and is now given to be with us. He has made his tabernacle, his home, his residence here with us in our body. That this body can no longer be one that is covered in sin. It can be sanctified. It can be restored. It can be made into a temple. It is he who lifts us up out of the pit. It is he who heals our backsliding. And it is he who grants us revelation, the gifts and charisms as well, that we might operate out of those and live in abundance and walk in dominion in the earth realm. We thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us with the gift of your word and your spirit. You have blessed us with every physical provision and every spiritual gift that we need. You have blessed us Lord, that we might never have any shortfall. When you are our shepherd, we are blessed in every way. We thank you, Lord. We shall lack nothing. As we make our prayer and our reflection this morning, I cover and seal every word we speak and every prayer we make, as well as every person that is part of this prayer meeting and every member of every family that is part of this prayer group, every member in a special way, every member of the intercessory group that prays, for all families that are part of this house. 
We cover each of these, Lord, by the precious blood of Jesus. We put on our angels and dispatch them on assignments in accordance with your will for each of these lives. I call the angel of the Lord to encamp about each of us, to protect and keep us safe from harm, sin, danger, accident, injury, pilfering, theft, hijacking, terrorism, any kind of natural disasters and spiritual attacks. I command that angelic protection and I declare divine exemption in the mighty and all-powerful name of Jesus. And we also herald the power in our spoken word as we proclaim your word, Lord, from Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11, that says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth today. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And I send it in faith in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the power of life on our tongue and that discernment to choose life in everything we speak. Thank you, Lord. And we thank you for enlightening us through the current series of our Friday Bible studies where we are focusing so much on those curses, speaking death over ourselves. We thank you for giving us the 3R formula that we can turn things around once again. Thank you, Jesus. Today we continue on the second part in our series on how did man become a sinner. Yesterday we looked at how man was created a living soul, but he soon acquired a mutated soul due to corruption from receiving the knowledge of good and evil. And you might think that was a tree there, but we are exposed to the same tree even today, where there is a voice speaking in our ear, the same way as the serpent was, speaking temptation, presenting his advertisement. And then we receive certain knowledges of Things that we could either say to someone or do to someone. The knowledge of good and evil. Although it says good and evil, it is more so evil only. And Adam was not created that way. Which is why when he said to God, I, I covered myself and I hid because I was naked. And God said, who told you? I never taught you that. And when God instructed him in Genesis 2, 7, 2, verse 17, he said, In that day, when you receive that knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. If you read the Hebrew version, it uses the word die twice. You shall die, die. Double show. This death was where he was spiritually cut off from God. It was not his body going out of breath and his heartbeat stopping. That's not what it was. It was being spiritually cut off from God. And that cut off equates to death. Because when you are cut off from him, nothing in your circumstances works in your favor. That is what God deems as death. Now here's a revelation. 
I was meditating on this. This part that we are doing today in our reflection was in part of my series. But last night as I was meditating on it and praying again, there was a further revelation. So I had to add this in. When we are born again and we are made righteous, we are no longer cut off from God and we receive unmerited grace for blessings. And we say that grace came through Jesus. Because when we were cut off, now he joined us back again. He reintroduced us back to the Father. And he introduced great grace there. Now without that grace, we can't achieve anything. So I believe what Adam had before he was cut off in Eden, while he was in Eden, before he was cut off from God, what Adam had was grace. If you read Genesis chapter 2, you will see that Adam's job was to dress and keep the garden. Dress means to maintain and manage, and to keep means to secure its boundaries from adversaries. But the serpent still managed to infiltrate. Anyways, as part of managing the garden, Adam didn't have to water it. Neither was there any rain. The Bible talks about a mist coming up from the ground. So which actually means that the garden was self-sustaining. Adam didn't have to work. The Bible never talks about him having to work. Yet he enjoyed all the benefits. God said you can consume whatever you want from any of the trees except that one. And when you actually look closely there, his labor only started in Genesis 3.19 after God cursed the earth. And he said, you would have to toil to get your food. No free meals. So while Adam was in Eden, it was unmerited benefits that didn't depend on his works. That is why I believe it was grace. If you go by the definition of grace. Now, furthermore, because Eden followed God's designs and rules, I believe that it's a good depiction of God's kingdom. So when the Bible says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, I believe it means seek to restore your right standing with God because Adam fell from that right standing. And when you say Adam, it is man, all men. We are born in that fallen state. So seek to restore that right standing with God and then seek to regain entry into Eden. Seek his kingdom to come under that design of operation the way it was there. And for that he gives us his book of law to teach us what the systems in Eden are like. Then all those blessings that worked for Adam while he was still in Eden unmerited would work for us as well. All these things shall be added unto you. Not you will earn them. He said all these things shall be added unto you when you seek the kingdom. Which means it is his responsibility to add them. What is our responsibility? To only seek the kingdom. To come under that rule and law. And then to seek his righteousness. And to seek our right standing with him. That is why when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, Father, 
let thy kingdom come and let thy will be done. I hope you are seeing the link there now. What we pray every day is this, to be restored back into that, that circumstance the way it was in Eden. But before we progress further, here's a word of caution. This is what I received yesterday. Even though you are saved and many, we shall all say, oh, but I've received my salvation, so I'm good. Even though you have received your salvation, in the day you choose to consume of the knowledge of good and evil, that is the day you choose to do something that the Bible forbids. In that day, you shall surely die. Yes, your blessings and your grace can be cut off. Be very careful. Salvation did not exempt you from it. Salvation just ensured your ticket into heaven, which will still be valid. But your blessings and your grace can be cut off. Your anointing can be lost. In the day you choose to eat or consume of the knowledge of good and evil. That is the day you choose to turn back to sin. That's what it really means in simple language. And if you don't believe this, read Hebrews chapter 10, especially after verse 23. So everything that Adam did now, after being thrown out of Eden, was only death. And that death means, like I said, not physical death. That death means non-productivity. It means barrenness. It means failure. It means sickness. It means curses. It means misery. It means sorrow. It means sweat and toil nothing would look like a blessing. Does that look like our life? Then you know where you are. You can either be in Eden or outside Eden. Genesis 3 verse 17 says, in sorrow, that was the curse for Adam. When the Lord cursed the earth, he said, in sorrow, you will eat of the land all the days of your life. It was not for a short term. It was not a jail sentence, one year or two years in jail and then you're free. All your life in sorrow. But God also gave the remedy. And that remedy is in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. Remember here in Genesis 3 verse 17, he said, Cursed is the land for your sake. In 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, he said, If you do all these things that I tell you to do, you humble yourself and you repent and you pray and you turn away from wickedness, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal that land that I have cursed. That is the remedy. It's up to us to, to apply it. He gave us the solution, but we get the choice. But going back to Adam now, the tendency to sin that was in him after the mutation, that was now being passed on to all mankind through Adam. And that is why we must be baptized 
to be washed off that sin. But when the sin is washed off at baptism, that mutation, the corruption, or the tendency to sin is not washed off. If that were washed off, at our baptism itself, we would be very clean and there would be no iniquity, no tendency towards our inclination towards sin. But yet, when we look at our own lives, we know better. Even today, we say we are saved and born again yet. So it is a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't just happen in one day. Can you imagine how hard a job the Holy Spirit has? He comes to us in that state when we are born again and he says, born again means fresh start. Okay. Let's look at all the things that you have been habituated to. All the things that you have learned from your family, from your traditions, from the worldly education system that are not in line with what my word says. And he has to work on each of those to open our eyes to the truth one thing at a time. How much patience would he need? And yet on that one thing itself, we might fall to 200 times and still not learn. How difficult a job it is. Do we have that kind of patience? And yet he says, never mind. If nobody else can condemn you at this stage, just like the woman who was caught in adultery. He says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. But that's the condition. Learn from that mistake now that you have realized it. And then go and don't repeat this anymore. And then we move on to the next part of our sins. The next one. And the same process. Until he starts to get rid of all of them one by one. And some of us may not even reach that fullness. But his ultimate goal is to have us pure. That is why when we reflected in our last series as well, we talked about the vessels, the cups or the plate that is clean on the outside, not on the inside. When we looked at the Pharisee and the public in praying, he's washing that plate and cup on the inside. So that corruption is not washed off, it remains. And that washing only starts when we are born again, when the Holy Spirit comes into our spirit, is joined with us, and He starts to work on us. Only then can that iniquity be washed off, bit by bit, depending on how much we are willing to cooperate with Him. And the atonement for the sin, that washing comes from the blood of Jesus. So that we regain our right standing. And when we are born again, Eden is now open to us once again. And we'll touch on how the blood atones separately. We'll do a separate series on that in our morning encounters during the course of this season of Lent. But till then, we still have that tendency towards sin. And that's what the Bible refers to as the lust of the flesh. That's what the Holy Spirit is fighting against and that's what he is educating us to rise up against. By bringing in the truth, introducing us to the difference between what the truth says and what our flesh is saying. And then 
we can make an educated choice in the spirit. We will continue on this tomorrow. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for an opening of our eyes to see that truth. So that every time you prompt us to take certain actions about certain things that displease you, let our eyes know what it is that you are saying to us and why you are saying it. And in the spirit, help us make that choice. Lord, I ask for that grace in each of us to make those decisions, to turn away that this season of Lent, we look towards that renewal. That it is not just a physical fasting or an abstinence that we look at, but we look at cutting off some part of death from our life and replacing it with your life. As for that edification in our spirit this day, Lord. As we pray for spiritual edification, we also pray for our physical and our temporal needs. Those of our families and our friends. We pray for all those that are battling all kinds of sickness and disease. For all families facing division and separation of any kind. For all those that are battling all kinds of strongholds in their lives. Especially that of prayerlessness. That keeps them cut off from you. And for all those Lord, in our friend and family circle that are not yet saved. Father, we thank you that you have heard us, that you always hear us. And as we release our faith and our prayer, making this a prayer of agreement with each other in the spirit, we believe that we have received, Lord. We believe that this prayer is an answered prayer in the name of Jesus. I encourage all those that can pray in the spirit using the gift of tongues to unmute and join in. Those that are praying for that gift, Release your tongue and your faith. Ask the Holy Spirit to take over. Let us make our prayer now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Sarada <laughs> <laughs> 
We have a scripture, a couple of scriptures shared in the chat. The first is from 1 Corinthians 4, verse 17 to 21, quoted from the NIV, where it says, For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come in love with a gentle spirit? And the second scripture is from Romans chapter 5, verse 17 to 19, quoted from the NIV, where it says, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. 
And a third scripture is from Psalm 23, verses 1 to 6. Where it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anoint my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the next scripture is from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 and 27, quoted from the NIV that says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you are being blessed by these morning encounters, Brother Savio's powerful daily reflections, our daily divine mercy and rosary sessions, as well as the Friday Bible teachings, please share those with friends and family and invite them to come join us. And let the mercy and the grace, the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and His favor that comes out of His jealous love for us, chases and overtakes us. Let that be multiplied in each of our lives this day so that as we are blessed, let us in turn go out and be a blessing to everyone around us in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Be blessed and have a wonderful day ahead, everyone. Thank you, Russell. God bless you. Thank you, Russell. God bless everyone.